Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Help me welcome our internet family, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hey, uh, two things real quick, and then we'll, we will um, dive into the Word. And Mike, I'm, I might need just a little boost here. I'm a little, little scratchy here. Um, this Tuesday, everybody say Tuesday. This Tuesday um, are the local primaries, okay? So I hope that you're registered and ready to go. You should be. And uh, vote in the local primaries. Very, very important. This kind of thins the herd a little bit. And then I'm going to be talking um, prior to the fall election, the big election. Um, I'll be talking about a number of things to help us to get some perspective. And so you pray that between now and then I get some perspective. And, <laughs> and uh, we'll share on that. Um, the other thing is uh, we are growing, which is a, a great thing, and um, we love that, and we believe that that is God just entrusting us um, to take good care of people and feed them in the right way. And what that does, it affects this service a little bit in that we are kind of maxing out on this service. So we have three services. I'm asking some of you to do, not all of you to do it, because then we'd have another problem, but I'm asking some of you. Uh, to make the move, to either go to the 9 o'clock or to the noon service. Um, I ran into somebody in the grocery store last week, and they, they said, hey, we're moving to the noon service. Here's, here's the reason why. It's to make room for um, the people that are coming new to us. Traditionally, they're going to pick this slot for some reason, and uh, it's closer to a traditional church time, I suppose. So they're coming, so it affects parking, as you well know. It also affects all of our children's areas, and we're just getting slammed back there. We are working on some things uh, to alleviate and improve parking situation and also children's areas. But what would immediately help us is if some people, I mean, stay seated for this service, but if some of you will really seriously think about moving to that first service or the, or the third service. And what that does, it makes room for some other people, and I thank you for being aware of that, helping, helping in, uh, in, in advance. I thank you for doing that. And this is what I do. I, I just trust God to direct traffic. We're not going to have lists to sign up. I'll do this or what. I just, you pray, you think, and I believe that God would direct you and he'll help us out. He's done that for 27 years of growth. So we're thankful for that. Amen. Well, you ready to get into the word today? All right, we're going to dive right in and go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and it's a series called New View. Everybody say New View. Paul said, I am not ashamed, and Pastor Tim said, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And the message paraphrase says, I am most proud of the gospel. And we are. We're, we're not ashamed. Everybody say, I'm not ashamed. And I'm, I'm thankful for the power of God and what it does, you know, as we believe it and how it impacts our life. But, but... I do sometimes feel a sense of embarrassment. Follow me now. Some of you have been wanting to say this. I'm going to say it for you. I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. But sometimes I feel a little bit of embarrassment at others who are wearing the tag of Christian. And they're being seen and heard by our culture. And I think they're misrepresenting 
what I hold Christianity to mean and what I hold how it works and how we treat people and what it looks like. Amen. So let me say it again. I'm, I'm not embarrassed. I am not ashamed to be a Christian. But sometimes I have to almost make a disclaimer. Uh, yes, I'm a Christian, but not like that. <laughs> Maybe you can relate better like this. You know, hey, it's football season. Anybody glad about football season? I, I did see several wives just going like, whatever. Yeah. No, wait a minute. That was my wife doing that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, let's say you have your team and, and you, you are a fan and you, you go to the game. You get to go to the game and you're wearing the colors you got maybe your face painted up a little bit. You're so fired up. You're proud of your team. And you get there, and there's some other people wearing the same colors. And they're pouring beer all over each other and yelling at people and beating up the fans for the other team. You're proud of your team, but you're now a little bit embarrassed, shocked, and want to be distanced. It's like, yeah, I'm a fan, but not like that. Like that. Or let's do use another example. It's, uh, you know political season and you have your chosen political party I'm that's all I'm going to say about that one so. <laughs> so this morning as we begin this series new view um, my subtitle for today is we have a problem we have a problem now I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front the first half of this is going to get kind of ugly So it's going to kind of be like this. Um, When you go to the dentist and you get your teeth cleaned, y'all do know you're supposed to do that. You go to the dentist and get your teeth cleaned. The first part of it I hate, you know, because they got these big hooks. You know, when you don't have your glasses on and they're getting close to you, that hook looks like this big, you know. And you feel it and they're in there and they're doing all the stuff that that they're doing. And you're a little tense. I find myself just squeezing the armrest, you know, just. But then finally, then they start to put that good flavored polished stuff in and, and get cleaned up. You know it's about over and you know, hey, I'm bright and, it, and it's helping you, okay? So today's message is basically like that, okay? <laughs> so the first part of this, <laughs> the first part of this Um, You might be squeezing the handrails just a little bit, okay? It's going to be good for us here. Again, my subtitle, we have a problem, and let me go ahead and tell you what the problem is. Christianity has an image problem. Christianity has an image problem. There There is so much negative perception about Christianity, Christians, and the church. Let me say that God is not the problem. Jesus is not the problem. The Bible is not the problem. It's just some of God's kids are the problem. So what we have always tried to do and will continue to do, and I'm just getting very laser focused on it for this series, is that we do Christianity right and do it in the right way. The bottom line for all of us should be this. People would end up rejecting Jesus because of a wrong perception of Jesus, a wrong representation of Jesus, and life in him and church. And that's what breaks my heart, is people would actually be turned off to Christianity and reject 
an opportunity to receive Jesus because of a negative perception that somehow be presented to them. Are you with me? That should hurt our hearts. Um, In Galatians chapter 1, I know. (laughs) And now, Paul said, and now I'm trying to, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So look at me real clear. This is not about seeking the approval of a culture around us. This is not about being people pleasers. This is not about compromising or watering down the message and the life that we have in Jesus. Okay? Uh, What it is about, though, is discovering and addressing a problem that exists that they cannot or will not, unable or unwilling to see and receive Jesus and, the, and the, his gospel, his good news, because of other things that are kind of blocking the way. So I feel what we need to do is provide a new view. Everybody say new view. <laughs> now get this though. There's nothing new about it. This is what God originally intends for this is not some newfangled something I'm coming up with. I believe this is the way God has always intended that his people are to interact with, with others around them. So as I said, hold on because it's about to get ugly. We're going to feel here for a moment. Um, have you ever watched this happen before? I, I have. And I'm, I've learned and I'm very careful about this. But how many of you know that in department stores, in the ladies' department, they usually have some chairs Who are those chairs for? They're for us, okay? And some of them are right near the dressing room. And I've, I've sat there before, you know, and then Alicia come out and what do you, what do you think? Because, you know, she doesn't have high heels on, but what would this? And so I, you know, just about across the board, I'm just going to say, I love it. <laughs> but I have sat there before and watched somebody come out, you know, the wife come out and the husband sitting there and she's. What do you think? You go, ah, it makes you look fat. Hey, that's a bad, it's a bad color on you. You really do need to get your hair done. Yeah, and it's just all this. So we're going to kind of feel that way for a little bit, okay? But we only have to take to heart, really, what we need to take to heart. But I want to present to you some of the negative perception that is generally held in the culture around us. And we need, we need to know. We need to know so that we can present a proper view of this. There are extensive studies and research and polling and mostly dealing with generations from the late 60s on and increasingly so as it gets closer and closer to the days that we're living in, mosaics, busters, millennials, Y generation and so forth. It's increasingly so that there's a negative perception about Christianity. Here's some of the things they think. They are skeptical of organized religion untrusting of things that look too perfect or present an answer. They're suspect that someone is trying to, one, sell them something or get something from them. You hear me all the time in altar calls and we don't want anything from you. They're resistant and resentful to most anything labeled Christian. They feel judged, minimized, demonized by people who say they love Jesus. And when you judge, minimize, demonize somebody... This is what they feel and this is what they hear that you feel, number one, that you don't care for them and number two, I'm better than you. 
And so, and this is done by people who love Jesus. Uh, look at this, look at this little statement here. Too often the church is known more for what we're against rather than what we are for. Now, we are perceived as, and whether these perceptions are right or wrong, and, and this is the thing, remember, there's, there's some fans that misrepresent the team. We're doing our best to represent the team in the right way. Are you, if you're with me, shake your head. Okay, just need to make sure you're still out there because uh, we're still working on you, okay? Perceived as hypocritical, judgmental, harsh, out of touch, old-fashioned, boring, irrelevant, narrow, too political, presenting pat answers, platitudes, and cliches, dogmatic, defensive, conspiracy-minded, mean-spirited, and I added one more to the list, weird. (laughs) And I just don't think that we need to be any of those things. So we're going to start to turn the corner here just a little bit, and I've got some news that we need to make definitely sure we're aware of so we can operate from the right place. Um, the church large at the church at large has failed to recognize a current reality, and here it is. And I, I hate to even say it, but it is reality. America is a post-Christian nation. We're post-Christian. There, there was a time where Christianity was at the very center of our culture. Are y'all with me? And it pains me to say that. But I also feel that in many, many ways, we blew our opportunity. And by we, church at large. And now the church, Christianity, is no longer at the center of our culture. And so with that, being us being more and more marginalized and sent to the edges, now there's almost a vacuum that draws other worldviews. And so you've got pluralism, relativism, existentialism, postmodernism. You have all these other worldviews kind of coming to the center, and they're all over the place. And look at our culture, okay? Look, look at things that are in the news. Look at laws that are being passed. Look at things that are happening in our culture that it's like, wow, that is, wow. Wow. And the world's come a long way since I was riding my bike to school and racing home to watch Leave it to Beaver. And yet some people want to just continue to think, no, no, we're good, we're good, we got it, we're, we're, it's us. And no, no, we've lost our place in the center of our culture. And America is now post-Christian. So what do we do? Now let's start to get to the good taste and polish part, okay? You ready? All right, don't get weird on me either. Okay, let's let's kind of let's kind of sort some things out here. So now, with all of that being said, those perceptions do exist. They do exist, um, and they gr- they're growing. So we must do what we need to do to present a new view, or actually the original intent. So now, Christianity and church are categorized, and they find themselves in one of three categories. The first one would be this, separatist, separatist. These are those that separate out. This is actually church against culture. They're mad. They quote quote scripture in kind of an angry tone. Talk a lot about hell. 
And this is church against culture. Second would be cultural or blenders. This would be church uh, of culture. In other words, they identify as a Christian, but there's no distinguishable difference in their lifestyle. They're pretty much just like the culture that they're in, but yet if you ask them, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, you believe in God. You believe, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's absolutely no change in their lifestyle, and so they just kind of blend in with the culture around them. I've got one more to share with you, but let me go ahead and tell you that I believe these first two are major error, okay? Separatist and, and blender are cultural. So the third would be this, ambassadors or what is referred to as good faith. This is church that is in and for culture. Okay, now follow this carefully. Church that is in and for culture. Now the scripture tells us that we're in the world but not of the world. But we can be in the world and for culture. What does that mean? That we love people. Are you all here? That we care about people even though they don't believe exactly like we do. Or their life is falling into hard times. Well, good for them. I could have told them it was coming. Well, then you're a separatist. But see, if, when you're an ambassador of good faith and of the kingdom, Jesus, God so loved the world. Are you, are you hearing me? He so loved the world. And so many people are focused on him being judge. And he is judge. But right now he's savior. Are you all hearing me? Right now he's savior. That's, that's the dispensation. That's the time that we would be in. So this is church in and for culture. Now, don't, don't make any mistake on this. Christianity, the Bible, uh, church are countercultural. Always have been and should be countercultural. But you have to understand what that means. Countercultural does not mean against culture. It means that we stand to offer a counter to show a better and different way. That's what Jesus came to do. So it's not like we're against everybody and we're against that and against that and against that and against you. And if you don't change and feel like I do, you go to hell. And please don't just take that clip, okay? And, and <laughs> I want you to come to my church. Here's my pastor. No, please. No, we're ambassadors. We live a life of good faith. Are you hearing me? We're in culture. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We live by God's standards. His word shows us what gives us life and what takes life away. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about God's design of how life works. It's like Pastor Nick had said earlier for for his baby girl, and she is a beauty. Is he wants good for her, and he wants the best for her. And so there will be things, don't eat that. My daughter, Elise, um, she's a writer now in, in Nashville. But I remember shortly after we started the church, we were meeting at a hotel, holding church services, and pretty little things. She had little, little big old, you know, flouncy socks and a hair bow and all that. And she's standing over by, this is when you could smoke inside. Remember that? She's standing over next to a big ashtray just eating cigarette butts. Well, baby, you have whatever you want. No, 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 no. And let me go back to something. Let me, let me go back to something here. 
you can't have you can't have a don't ever tell me I'm wrong theology. There are standards that God has. Are you hearing me? And we live by those, but we live by those in a way where we're in and for culture and we're countercultural in this sense. We're not against culture. We're not against. We are here to present and model that there's a better and different way. Amen. So look with me real quick. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. You, say that's me. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Look at this. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's look at it in the message paraphrase. Look at this. Let me tell you why you are here. I love it. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. I almost said garage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a lampstand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light, a light stand, shine. Everybody say shine shine. Keep open house. I love this. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. My goodness. Now look at this. Look in Psalm 34, and and I'll, I'll come back to the verse in a moment. We talk about this a lot. Jesus talked about it, and he said this, that we are to be salt and light. And I've added one to it, right? We're to be salt, light, and what? Sugar. Because I think one of the highlights of being a believer, a follower of Jesus, is a genuine joy that causes you to be kind to other people. Okay? Bearing that in mind, salt and light, Psalm 34 says this, Oh, taste and see. Let me, let me show you something that will help you with this. Oh, taste salt and see light, salt and light. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is angry. No, he's what? He's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I want people to trust in him. So what we have to do is be salt and light so they can taste and see. Look at this. When we are truly salt and light, they will be able to taste and see. John chapter 1, verse 14. In the word, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? And what? Come on, full of what? Grace and truth. Say it again. Grace and truth. Jesus came. Now follow this closely. 
how did Jesus come? How did Jesus enter, follow this, how did he enter and interact with a pre-Christian world full of grace and truth? And if Jesus came into a pre-Christian world full of grace and truth, And that's how he interacted. I think we, as his children and representatives, as ambassadors, how are we to interact in a post-Christian world? I think we do it in the same way, full of grace and full of truth. Amen. Amen. Now, what does that mean? How does that play out? Let me describe it. We're gracious, generous, kind, yet we're also centered and principled, and settled. We are happy, and stable, and fruitful, and blessed in our everyday authentic lives at home, in the marketplace, in the neighborhood, in, the, in jobs, on farms, and garages, and salons, and gyms, and offices, and factories, and hospitals, and streets, and structures. Wherever we go, we're a people that are generous and kind and have a genuine joy in our life, yet we do not compromise our principles. We're settled on that. That's what makes life work for us. It's God's design. But yet we can afford, we can afford to be kind to people. We can afford to hurt when others hurt. We can afford to be in culture and for culture. We can love the people that are around us. Listen to this quote by Andy Stanley, one of my favorite pastors. He said, if we were able to rewrite the script for the reputation of Christianity, I think we would put the emphasis on building relationships with non-believers, serving them, loving them, and making them feel accepted. Only then would we earn the right to share the gospel. Their acceptance by us would not be predicated on their willingness to accept Christ. After all, God loved us before we were lovable. God loved the whole world before the world knew anything about him. This should be our model. Here's my advice to Christians who want to change culture's perception of Christianity. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In other words, do something that causes people to look favorably in God's direction. I still believe that everybody spends eternity somewhere. And if that's the case, getting this right isn't a marginal issue. It is the issue. It all comes down to this. How well we love, what we believe, and how we live. How well we love, what we believe, and how we live. And if we get that right, we'll actually reflect properly the kingdom of God. We'll actually be ambassadors of good faith. And we will give them a new view of what Christianity is truly all about. Let me just finish with this quick illustration. If you just imagine with me, everybody in your circle, okay? So it's where you shop and where you work and where you go to the gym and where you drive and all the people around. Everybody within the far, far reaches of, quote, your world. And just for imagine for a moment that everybody, all those people live in one big, great, big guest house. So everybody has their own room. You've got your room. 
somebody who believes and acts polar opposite to you might live in the room right next door to you, but everybody's got their own room. Let that room represent your ideas, your beliefs, your interests. So everybody's got their own room, all self-contained. There you are, but we're all in the big, we're all in the same house. But here's what we all have to do. Ready? We have to share the hallway. We have to share the hallway. And I think it matters. Listen to me. And you can, you can say, I don't know what's going on in that room over there. And I don't know why they believe that. And I don't know why they act like, but you know what? You're in your room. They're in their room. Now follow this. And you have to share the hallway. And I think when we pass people in the hallway, it doesn't need to, or shove people or trip them or, or anything else. I think it matters how we act in the hallway. Because you know what? In this big house, there's also a community room. And every now and then you feel like, you know what? I want to invite some of the others. I'm going to have a little, a little get together, a little gathering down at the community room. Well, guess what? If you have been ugly in the hallway, y'all with me? I don't care if you're serving popcorn shrimp. If you've been ugly in the hallway, you've been mean, you've, you've just been disconnected in the hallway, and now you feel like, you know what, I want to share some of my ideas. I want to share some of my heart with some of the people that live in this house together, and I want to invite them to come down. There is no chance, there is no chance they're even coming if you've been rude in the hallway. Are you all with me? Listen, I hope you get the picture of this. But we're to be a people that just like Jesus entered and interacted in a pre-Christian world full of grace and truth. I believe that as you and I interact with a post-Christian world, we're to do it also with grace and with truth, both. And we'll be talking about this as we go along. But it is absolutely important because the view that they've already gotten, and a lot of it is distorted because of others. Could we, could we show the world around us a new view? So hopefully they can see Jesus and the benefit of his gospel. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.